Hey, this is Bradley Weber, and I'm super pumped that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Release City family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on our social media platforms at Release City Church or on our website at releasecitychurch.org. There, you can stay connected with what's happening within the ministry, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with other Release City family around the world. Now, I hope today's message encourages you and inspires you to run your race and become all that God is calling you to be. Now, let's jump into today's message. Amen, amen. Can we give God some praise in the house this morning? So you have to excuse me. Uh, I woke up this morning, well, yesterday morning for that matter, and uh, couldn't really get out of bed. Somehow I hurt my back again, um, which seems to happen. I mean, as you heard Adam talk last week, anytime we come up here or, or preparing for a message, it seems there's always some form of attack that, that's going to try to keep us from doing what we need to do or what, what we're being called to do. But uh, if I sit down for a little bit, that's why. is because I can only stand for so long before the burning starts to, starts to get at me. Which, I want to give God praise because prior to worship, like y'all weren't here this morning, but during rehearsal, I sat and sang in this the whole time because I couldn't just stand there the whole time. So during worship, standing there the whole time, you, about the third song, I don't know if y'all noticed, but like most of the songs I was kind of bent over because it's hard to, I, I couldn't stand straight up. About the third song, I was able to. So, I mean, it being a small little thing, but that's so much when you can't stand up without pain. And just being able to, to stand up straight, I mean, it's amazing, and it was, it was great. But, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so what I'm here to talk about this morning um, is a spirit of religiosity. Um, as long as I've been alive, uh, and, and I, for many years, this is what kept me out of church, was a spirit of religiousness that many Christians walk with. Um, God didn't call us. To walk with this religiousness, this spirit of you know like a holier than thou uh, walk, right? So um, it all it seems you know as, at least for as long as I've been alive, I know it's gone back further than that. There's always been this spirit of religiosity around church. Uh, it keeps people out of church. Um, when Jesus was alive, and this is prior to the church, there were also these people who walked around with a spirit of re- religiosity, and that was the Pharisees. <coughs> So, um, for those of you who don't know, the Pharisees were the teachers. They were the rabbis. They were the people who presented the word of God, they, you know, uh, the scrolls of Moses. Um, they're the ones who would be in the synagogues reading the scriptures. They were the only ones allowed to read the scriptures to people. Um, they were the rule keepers. They were the law keepers. Um, the problem with them is they weren't keeping just God's rules and God's laws. They were adding to them. Right, so um, specifically, one that one that's easiest to to use as an example is the fourth commandment. So that's what they went by. The law of Moses was the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day holy. But the Pharisees took it a step forward and decided that not only did you have to keep it holy, but you're only allowed to walk so many steps. You weren't allowed to carry anything. You weren't allowed to work. You weren't allowed to fish. You weren't, you know, they had all these rules. And that, that's, that's just one example of one of the laws. They did this to every single law there was. So they made it almost impossible for anyone to even try to keep the laws, which is why the Pharisees held themselves above everybody is because they were the ones dedicated to keeping every single rule. 
So they believed themselves to be greater than everyone else in the eyes of God because they were keeping all of their rules and all of God's rules all at the same time, all the while holding it over people's heads who were completely incapable of doing such because of the lives that they had to live outside of all the money and the temples and everything, you know, with the Roman Empire being upon them. Um, you know, it was really impossible for these people to try to keep the rules of the Pharisees, you know, so that's, that's where the Pharisees, you know, their, their religiousness was their holier-than-thou attitude. They were above everybody. They sat in the, the best seats, you know, at any banquets. They were the, the people that were sitting in the, the really nice seats. They would get fed first. They would have the best wine first. Like, literally anything and everything that was topped here was for the Pharisees when it came to Jews. <coughs> so Jesus, in his ministry... We actually see him call them out on this multiple times. Um, you know, he, he called them broods, he called them vipers, he called them fools, he called them hypocrites, all because they were trying to keep these laws that were man-made. They weren't God's laws. They weren't God's rules. So in Matthew 15, he directly calls out their hypocrisy because of their traditions. And he even calls it that, your traditions. So their traditions were man-made rules that inherently nullified the word of God. And that's, that obviously is a problem, especially when you're the son of man. So there are many traditions today that still do the same thing, right? Um, I, I've heard of churches that won't allow someone to serve in the church because they have a previous divorce. Um, I've heard of, you know, churches that won't allow uh, a, a homeless person or maybe just a poverty-stricken person come in because they don't have that Sunday best outfit, right? Or maybe they get made, up, made fun of because of that Sunday best outfit has holes in it, you know, or whatever it be. Um, there, there's a lot of traditions and spirit of religion that keeps people away from God. So I've, I've seen it many times throughout my life, um, and I was one of those people for a long time. I didn't want anything to do with the religion because I didn't understand the relationship with God. All I saw was the religion, right? So, I mean, and another example, I mean, I've literally had a preacher tell me that he would fire somebody if they showed up with a new tattoo. And, you know, that, that's, that's a spirit of religiousness. That, you know, the, grace has been bestowed upon us. Therefore, we have to keep pushing that grace, right? We have to keep giving that forgiveness. So, you know, when we're turning addicts away, we're turning poverty-stricken people away, um, we're doing more damage to the kingdom of God than any atheist ever could because we're pushing people away. We're not bringing them in. We're not showing them any grace. We're not showing them forgiveness. We're not showing them all the things that have been bestowed upon us because we want to feel better than what they are. And you see that in the world all the time. You know, the world's always pushing an agenda of being better than somebody because you have money or because you have power or you have a position or you got a nice car or you got a big house or whatever it be. The world pushes that a lot. And that's where the church goes wrong is, and through the religious spirit, we are showing the world as well. Only problem is we're proclaiming God while showing a spirit of the world. And that's a hypocrisy that people don't want, right? I mean, you hear it all the time that people don't want to go to church because of hypocrites. You know, people are hypocritical. You know, uh, people don't want to go to church because people gossip. You know, all kinds of stuff. Which, you know, my opinion of that is that's crap. Uh, hypocrisy doesn't keep you out of Walmart. 
hypocrisy don't keep you out of the football games. You know, I mean, I, one preacher said it as you can go to heaven with hypocrites or you can go to hell with hypocrites. Choice is yours. <clears throat> so another thing we have, we see, and, and I think you see it more now than you've ever seen it before, and that's because of social media and, and access to the Internet, is you see churches that are calling out other churches, um, specifically like pastors calling out other pastors. Uh, not necessarily about uh, what they're doing, but more along the lines of that's not what, how we do it, therefore they're wrong. Um, and, they, and they even go to a point of calling them heretics. You know, and, and the Bible actually says in there that you've got to be careful with how you call out the, you know, the, 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 the presenters of God's word. Right? So when we see this online, um, we're not the only ones seeing it. The world sees it too. You know what I'm saying? So when you get into these arguments online, you get in these, these back and forth online, you got preachers calling out other preachers, you got churches calling out other churches, you got, uh, you know, well, we don't worship that way, that worship's wrong. You know, I, I've even seen, and I'm just going to say it's Elevation Church. So I've seen different churches say, I bet y'all worship like Elevation, as if that's some kind of wrong way to worship. You know, and, and I, I don't understand why we put so much hatred amongst those who worship. Worship is worship. If you can worship God with your hands up, if you can worship God on your knees, you can worship God in your mind. You know, the same thing with praying. You can pray out loud, you can pray in your mind, you can pray in your spirit, all those things. We, there's no certain way to do these things. And when we start calling out these things with the religious spirit, all it does is push those who are in the world away. They don't, nobody, they're already dealing with nonsense out there. They're already dealing with bickering. They're already dealing with fighting. They're already dealing with hatred. They're already dealing with uh, prejudice. All these things exist in the world that were never supposed to exist here. They're never supposed to exist within the church because we are a representative of God. And that's not to say that you're going to do it perfect every time. None of us are perfect. That's the whole point is nobody is perfect. The, the Bible says that you'll fail God every day. That all will fall short of the glory of God. Right? So the social media platforms are what is, what, what is allowing us to see a little more of what's going on. But so, like I said, in my opinion, the spirit of religiousness has probably, it's my opinion, that's what I'm going to say. In my opinion, the spirit of religiousness has run more people away from God than atheists ever could. Because atheists don't have a leg to stand on. There's no way they can prove that God doesn't exist, Right? But we can prove that we are pushing people away because we can see it. So, and, and another thing, let's not forget that it wasn't unbelievers who had Jesus Christ crucified, right? It was the religious because of a religious spirit. So, what I want to get into this morning is in Luke 5. <coughs> I specifically choose or chose this, uh, these verses. Um, it's Luke 5, 27 through 32. Because um, it, it not only shows the religious spirit of the Pharisees, but it's Jesus' response that shows how we are supposed to respond to that, or how we're not supposed to be. So um, just leading up to this, set it up. Uh, so Jesus had just, he was preaching in a house, um, he's, you know, uh, he's surrounded by Pharisees and other leaders. He's also surrounded by just the people who knew that he was there. Um, there's no way you could get into this house. Uh, this is where the four friends come with the paralytic. 
and they can't get to Jesus. They brought him there to be healed, but they can't get there. So what do they do? They lower him down through the roof. And through this faith, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees, hearing Jesus say, your sins are forgiven, they're thinking to themselves. And the Bible even says this, they're thinking to themselves. So they didn't say it out loud. Who is this that can heal sins or that can forgive sins? No one can forgive sins but God, right? So they're thinking this, and Jesus rebuts at them because he knows what they're thinking. He, he, you know, he, he can hear what their thoughts are. And he tells them, you know, basically, what's easier for me to say, that you're healed and get up or your sins are forgiven? Basically, it's the same exact thing. And then he finishes with, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So not only does he call out their thought process there, but then he also proclaims he's a Messiah. Kind of backdoored, but he proclaims he's a Messiah. He says the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So the Pharisees, they see him heal this paralytic. You know, right in front of their eyes, this man who hasn't walked is healed. He can get up, he picks up his bed, he runs away, you know, proclaiming God and, and just celebrating and worshiping God. So they see all this, right? So later, Jesus is walking and he sees Levi, which is Matthew, the disciple Matthew. <clears throat> he's a tax collector and he says, come follow me. And Levi literally at that point, bam, he's done, no longer tax collector, Jesus' disciple. So he follows Jesus and he decides that he wants to throw Jesus this big dinner, right? The thing is, the only people Levi, or Matthew, I'm going to just call him Matthew because Levi is weird for me, but... <laughs> So the only people Matthew knew were people that were like him, tax collectors, sinners, crooks, uh, maybe you know, prostitutes, whatever it be. They were all people who were less thought of because tax collectors didn't hang out with anyone else. They, nobody liked the tax collector, not the Jews. Even the, even the uh, Romans didn't really like the tax collectors. They just used them. And being that Matthew was a Jew who was a tax collector, he was literally hated by everybody because he was basically considered to turn away from his faith to help out those who were holding the Jews down. So the only people he knows are sinners. The only people he knows are these people who other people really wouldn't hang out with, especially of his own you know, religion and his own faith. So it says in 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that's just huge. Because not only is he calling out their hypocrisy that, you know, you're looking down upon these people, but that he is there to call them out of it. That it's literally available to everyone. So that, that line, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he's literally like slapping them in the face because the Pharisees were the most righteous. So he's literally telling them, I'm not here for you. I'm here for them. I'm here for the ones you don't want. I'm here for the ones that nobody here wants because they deserve repentance. They deserve forgiveness. So we see this over and over throughout the Bible <coughs> where Jesus calls out the Pharisees. But another thing we see is 
over and over is the disciples he made like Matthew. The, the, the people that he forgave over and over again, they, they weren't people that were, that were righteous, that were high up, right? I mean, there was a couple here and there like Zacchaeus. You know, he was a, he was a tax collector. He was literally the leader of the tax collectors. But it's because of his repentance that he was saved, because he sought out Jesus, right? So we see it over and over, um, him forgiving the adulterous woman uh, who the Pharisees wanted to stone to death in John 8, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well who was an outcast because of her adultery and, and the life that she lived in John 4, um, again, Zacchaeus in, in Luke 19, uh, leader of the tax collectors. He was hated by literally everybody, just like Matthew, um, but he was forgiven because of his repentance. Uh, you see it with the lepers. I mean, literally, lepers weren't allowed in town. They weren't allowed around anybody. So Jesus met them where they were at, just like he does us. He meets us where we're at. We don't have to be whole to get into the city to meet Jesus. Jesus is here. Jesus is making us whole each and every day as long as we accept him. So you, just, you see it over and over again, Jesus meeting people where they're at in their sin. And most of the time, all he told them was, you're forgiven, now go and sin no more. So some of the really good examples of all this is his disciples. So, you know, and that, this is one of the biggest things that I, I love about Jesus and the disciples, was Jesus constantly called out the disciples too. Even though they were following him, they constantly messed up. And he would literally be like, you fools, you don't have any faith. You know what I mean? He's constantly calling out his own disciples to show them that what they, their thought process isn't right. You've got to get outside of the traditional thought process to really catch what he's saying. That's why he did a lot of things in parables you know, and, uh, and riddles, basically, was to get them outside of their natural thought process to really see what he was trying to do, which was build the kingdom of God. You know, all these people thought he was there to take over and kill the Romans. He wasn't there to kill the Romans. He was there to save souls. So, you know, Peter, God, or Jesus, he would heal and he would forgive over and over again. And what I like about the, the Peter was how he's forgiven, even though he messes up while following Jesus, right? So Jesus is getting captured. The Roman soldiers come to capture him and Peter cuts off an ear of one of them. And Jesus is like, you can't do that. You know, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And he heals the man. So as they're walking and they've, they've captured Jesus, Peter then denies Jesus three times. So twice in one night, Peter has failed Jesus. Yet he stayed a disciple, right? Yet he still caught the Holy Spirit once Jesus ascended. So these, these disciples of his, you know, them constantly failing, yet there's forgiveness, it's, it's just a great example of how each and every one of us, we're going to fail every single day. You're going to fail every day, but yet there's forgiveness available to you. So <clears throat> another one is Saul, which became Paul. So this man captured and killed Christians, yet he became a disciple through forgiveness. You know, he was changed through forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But the biggest thing about Paul was that he was a Pharisee. Okay, so Paul learned from rabbis. He learned the word of God, or the, word, uh, the laws of Moses. He learned the scriptures of Moses. He, he went to school. He did all these things and became a Pharisee. 
And, and the biggest thing about Paul and the Pharisees, okay, Paul wasn't killing Christians because he hated them. Paul was killing Christians because he thought he was doing what God wanted. So when we get in stuck in these traditions and we get stuck in these ways that we think and we believe that we're doing what God wanted, we can be wrong. And that happens more often than not when we hang on to traditions, when we hang on to things. So they believed that they were right. The Pharisees believed that they were correct in everything they were doing. They believed they were correct in getting Jesus, having captured, having him crucified, because they believed him to be a blasphemer. They didn't believe him to be a prophet, even though it was prophesied that he would come in the way that he did. They didn't believe that he was there to save people, even though they saw him heal people over and over and over and over again. They saw this with their own eyes. They still believe that they were correct. And that's the biggest thing about Paul was he believed everything he was doing was correct. Someone told me the other day that you can do something sincerely, yet be sincerely wrong. And that was profound, really. I mean, that was, that's amazing because it, it, it shows exactly what Paul was doing. Paul thought he was doing things for God. He really thought that him as a Pharisee, he knew the word of God, he knew everything he was doing. He was doing it for God, yet he was sincerely wrong because he was ca- trying to capture those who believed in Jesus Christ. Yet Jesus still forgave him, still turned him into one of the greatest disciples ever. <clears throat> so they believe that their way was the way, even though the way was right in front of them. So the spirit of religion today has convinced many that they're not worthy of Jesus. That they have to get cleaned up before they can come in. That their sins should keep them out of church. And this is a lack of relationship problem. Now, I mean, it's been going on my whole life, but you see it now more than ever. And I believe it's because of social media, and I believe it's because of electronics. It's because of access. So, you know, we, we don't focus on relationships, right? And I'm as bad as any, because I would much rather you text me than call me every day. I promise you. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I, no, I can't say I'll answer my phone, because I probably won't. It'd be on silent, but I'll call you back. But uh, <laughs> Adam knows. <laughs> but I would, I would rather people text me. And I would say that's probably 90% of society at this point. Everyone would rather you know, text, instant message, DM, whatever you want to call it. That, that's how we communicate with each other now. We're not focusing on relationships. We're focusing on followers. We're focusing on likes and shares. We're focusing on building our reputation rather than building relationships. So... This is the biggest problem we're seeing right now is lack of relationship. And not just with people, but lack of relationship with God. So that's the whole point of this walk is that we are to have a relationship with God. It's not about religion. It's not about how many rules you can follow. It's not about how many you know, Hail Marys you can throw. It's not about none of that. It's not about how many people you can help. You know, there's plenty of philanthropists out there that help people that don't know God. That's not helpful to the world. That's not helpful to them. You know, in the end, sure, they helped a few people. But through God, they would have helped how many thousands more? You know, without God, we can do nothing. And it's never going to be a true relationship with God, to, or true relationships with people, until we get a true relationship with God. So, and what, what I mean by that is, so you see people like at abortion clinics, you know, yelling at people and telling them they're wrong. Obviously, we believe that abortion is wrong. Absolutely. But you walk up to somebody you don't know and just say, you suck. 
they hearing you out? Are they listening to you? No, nobody responds to that. Yeah. See, he's on it. He's on it. Don't, don't call nobody, Siri. Don't do that. <laughs> but my point is, if you don't have a relationship with somebody, calling them out of their sin is going to be near impossible. Right? It's, it's, and one, it's not your job to call them out of their sin. It's your job to have a relationship with them, point out their sin. God's going to call them out of the sin. God is the only one that's going to change anybody. But you can't show people God while being hostile, while being hateful, while being prejudiced, while being racist. You know, all these things that are of, of the world, when you use them to try to show God, it's not helpful. It's not kingdom building. It's not going to produce a positive outcome. All you're going to produce is another person who doesn't like Christians. That is, and that's counterintuitive to the kingdom of God. Exactly. So, once again, you can do something sincerely, but you can do it sincerely wrong. Absolutely, I believe that every single one of those people at an abortion clinic is trying to help somebody. And I absolutely believe that they're going about it the wrong way. Because they're yelling at someone they don't even know and telling them they're wrong. And when you do that, no one's listening. I know my son, right? If I scream at him that he's wrong, I've lost the conversation at that point because he's now angry and he's going to yell back. Everyone is like a child. We are. And if you don't believe me, get up in somebody's face and scream at them. I promise you the reaction is not going to be a positive one, right? So we're, we're all just like that child who's going to take that hostility and we're going, to, we're going to take it on ourselves and we're going to reproduce that hostility, right? But when we come at somebody through love, and we come at somebody through grace. We come at somebody through forgiveness. We build a relationship with these people. When you, when you have a relationship with someone who is on drugs, right, and they see your life, they see the way you love, they see the way you care about them even though you know their condition, right, that's going to make them want to understand what that is. Why is it that you love me while everyone else is casting me out? What is that? They want to know what that is. That's the light of God. That's God's forgiveness and grace shining through you. Because God's forgiveness and grace doesn't stop with us, right? God came for everybody. Jesus came to save everyone, Gentile and Jew alike, right? So if he is for everyone, then we've got to stop holding on to the forgiveness and grace ourselves. So this is going to be my in closing. We've got to build our relationship with God first. You cannot have a proper conversation. You cannot have a proper relationship with anyone when you don't have a proper relationship with God. You know, that people say, I love you. But until you know God, you don't know love. That's just the way it works. You know, you, love is one of the most overused words in the world. And that's because people don't know what love is. They truly don't. If people knew what love is and everyone loved each other the way that they say they love each other, there would be less crime, there would be less hate, there would be less prejudice, there would be less racism, there would be less fighting, there would be less arguing. All these things that we question, why is it this way, God? Why is it this way? It's because there's so many people who don't know love, and those who do know love ain't showing it. So we all need to try to be less religious and be more relational. Jesus came to save us all. He forgives and grace didn't stop with us. 
So it's time for each and every one of us to display that grace, to display that love, to display that forgiveness to each and every person we see. Because like I said, when you, when you have a relationship with somebody and that is the way you live, is through the love, grace, and forgiveness of God, that's going to bleed out of you onto them. They're going to want to know what that is. And that is where God is going to bring in more people. That's where God's going to save more people through us. Because we can't save them. But God will sure enough use you as a vessel to do so. I never thought I'd be up here preaching the word of God. Never once in my life did I ever think I was coming up here to do any of this. I sure still don't feel worthy most days. I can tell you that. I, I just don't. Because I know that each day I fail. But I also know that each day I'm trying to work on that relationship with him so that I can work on my relationship with y'all. And that's, that's my whole purpose, I believe, is to show better relationships. So one thing I'm going to work on over this next month, you know, being that it's Christmas and all, and, and well, for the rest of my life, for that matter, I'm going to try, is to be more relational. You know, I'm going to call people. Um, I'm going to just talk with people. You know, if you want to call me, call me. I'm not promising I'm going to answer that first time, though. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Look, when you have a business, you keep that phone on silent on purpose. I'm just saying. <laughs> 90% of the phone calls are about work. But uh, I want to be more relational with people. You know, it's, building relationships is what we're here for. And the reason that we're seeing everything go more dark and the reason we're seeing everything become so evil, for, for a lack of better term, the world is turning evil, is because we are turning away from relationships. We are turning away from the very reason we are here. We're not having a relationship with God and we're sure not passing that relationship on to others. So that's my encouragement to y'all for the week and for this month. Be less religious, be more relational. Thank y'all. Love y'all. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that. Everybody say this word, say intentional. Everything he said is right on the money. And, and we have to be intentional about it because we've been, as the church, we've been programmed for way too long to, to, to <laughs> we, we've just been programmed that the church is to come in here, grab people in, put, put a bunch of people in a room and tell them how bad they are. That's, that's been church for a long time. And people already know that they're dirty. I mean, that, they're, that they have issues. You hear me say it every week. He's very transparent. I think there's transparency in our leadership team because there's transparency in me. And there's transparency in me because there's, he's very transparent. Our Heavenly Father is transparent. Somebody said, why didn't, you, why didn't you speak today? I think it's very healthy for you to hear from other voices in the house. I knew exactly what he was going to speak on, knew what Adam was speaking on the, the week before. Two amazing messages for right where we are. And, the, and, and yes, I, I know we, we, we're in the middle of a series, uh, A Disciplined Mind. We'll pick it back up next week. But if you think about what he just said, it's going to take a disciplined mind to retrain our mind and accept the challenge that over the holiday season, and that's why we're going to do what we're going to People, People expect the church to give, 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 give. This, their picture of the church is give. We want something from you. No, no, we don't want absolutely nothing from you. We want to be a blessing to you. 
in your family. Right? That's what we, we, we want to be intentional about that. Amen? God has big things in store for this ministry. God has big things in store for your life. Amen? Stay connected to the Father. I'm going to bless us tonight. Uh, to, what is it? Not tonight. Today. It's lunchtime. Time to eat again. I feel like all we've done the past 48 hours is eat. Is it time to eat yet? What are we eating? Turkey. What's for breakfast? Turkey and biscuit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask that uh, we know that it doesn't return void. And I ask that the word that has, been, that has been put out, Father, and deposited into us, Father, may we irrigate that. And, Father, may we um, water that seed, Father, and, and it will show as we accept the challenge this holiday season to be intentional, not on religion, but on relationship. And, Father, if there's anybody here in this room today or watching online or podcast at a later date that doesn't know you, Father, may they, just in this moment, while they're hearing a voice or in this room and they don't have a relationship with you, Father, may they accept you into their heart. May they just say a simple prayer that says, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I make bad decisions and you know that. And I'm asking if you'll forgive me for my bad choices. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Make me more like you. And may I fall in love with you every day. Learning to be more like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media or head over to our website at releasecitychurch.org and click on the giving link and help us to continue to share the message of Jesus and his hope with the world. God bless you. Have an awesome week.